The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. God's favorite house, praise the Lord. Okay, so this morning we are um, starting a new series in the month of March, and we are looking at choose your future. How do you choose your future? Can you actually choose your future? You see, the, the year, this year, 2020, by the grace of God, is our year of light. 2020 is our year of light. And, and one thing that light does, like, like you can see in this graphic, is that if this room was dark, all these doors will not be visible. So once you switch on the light, as you can see, light is coming in from here. Once you switch on the light, you see all the doors that are available to you. And the, the crux of this series is which door do you choose? Because once you choose a door and you walk through the door, that's all you can choose. You can't choose what you're going to meet on the other side. And you can't begin to choose what's behind this door and behind this door and behind this door. So, so what we are saying in essence is that light makes choices available to us. Light makes opportunities available to us. That's what light does. And so in this year of light, opportunities are going to be opening to you. You're going to begin to see doors. Now the question is, how do you choose? And in part one, we are going to be looking at choosing the right values. So once we see the doors are opening, or rather are set before us, how do we choose the door to walk through? One of the greatest misconceptions of, of mankind is that we actually do think that God chooses our destinies for us. God chooses our future for us. God actually has a future in mind for you, but how you get there, if you get there, is your choice. So the misunderstanding we usually wrestle with is that since God has a plan for me, since God has a purpose for my life, it must be preset, it must be predestined, it must be preplanned, so there is no choice in it for me. So we think that since God has a plan for us, then there is no choice in it for me. I mean, nothing can be farther from the truth. We have people that, yes, God has a plan for, yet did not choose the right path. Like we learned when um, P.K. was here, he said that one of the um, for the Christians, it's not the 15 ways or, or principles of discovering your destiny. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus says, follow me. So at every point in time, we need to make the right choices in following. In following. Yes, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But it's not automatic. You can miss it. And I pray that you will not miss your purpose in the name of Jesus. Most people, a lot of people are missing the purposes for their lives. They are. When Moses, for instance, I'm going to spend some time looking at the life of Moses and the choices Moses, Moses made. When, when Moses was leading the children of Israel 
through the wilderness. At the point in time, God, through Moses, said to the Jews, you need to make a choice. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 and 16, Deuteronomy 30, 15 and 16, it says, today I am giving you a choice. This is God. He already has a, a destiny for the Jews. They, he was taking them to the promised land. And he's saying, today I am giving you a choice. You can choose life and success, or you can choose death and disaster. I pray that you will choose life and success in the name of Jesus. It says, or you can choose death, death and disaster. It says, I'm commanding you to love the Lord your God, to live to the way he has told you to, three, to obey his laws and teachings. You are about to cross the river Jordan, the Jordan River, and take the land that is giving you. It says, but if you obey him, you will live and become successful and powerful. I pray for you today that you will live and become successful and powerful in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything, the submission of your life will be filled with success and power in the mighty name of Jesus. So if you fast forward to verse 17, and um, verse 17 in the TEV version, it says that if you disobey and refuse to listen and are led away to worship other gods, you will be destroyed. You will not live long in the land across the Jordan that you are about to occupy. Since I am giving you the choice between life and death, between God's blessings or curse, and I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. So the choice you are making, heaven and earth are watching. It says, choose life. I mean, this is huge because God is like, it's like, it's like God is giving, giving us an exam and he's telling us the answer to the question. In fact, it could, it, maybe it's a multiple choice. He says, but in this case, it's only A and B. God is saying A is life and success. B is death and destruction. And God is whispering to you and saying, choose A, choose A, choose A. Choose life. The choices you make is so powerful and it determines the life you live. In fact, one of the greatest gifts that God has given to man is the gift of choosing. The ability, the ability to choose is one of the greatest gifts. You can change your life totally. If you don't like the life you are living currently, listen, you can change it completely by the things you choose. Completely. I can tell you stories upon stories upon stories of my life that I, I, I get a, a point, I don't like what I'm saying. I've prayed, I've fasted, I've prayed, I've fasted, and heaven is saying, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to keep praying and fasting, or are you going to take action? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And the choices you make. And many of you, I mean, you could say that oh, people have done things to you, people have hurt you, I mean, um, life has dealt you um, a tough blow, you've been born into an unprivileged on, on, on family. I mean, you could go on and on and on and on. Listen, you may have been hurt, you may have been battered, and, and, and nobody has said this to you before. I want to say to you today, I am sorry. Bele? Bele? Okay? 
But what happens to you in life is not nearly as important as the way you choose to respond to it. All the blows you have been dealt, it's tough, sorry, okay? But the blows you've been dealt is not going to determine the destiny you will live. The, the, some of us have been abused. The fact that you have been abused does not determine and can never determine the future you will live. The mistakes you've made cannot determine. It is what you do from now on that determines what becomes of you. It's what you do now. So the choices you make, your choices are far more important in shaping your life than your circumstances. I mean, your choices, the choices you make, they're far more important than your circumstances. The things that happen to you really cannot determine your future. It is the choices you make from what has happened to you Two people can go through the same thing. One comes out on top, the other is buried by the same thing. And, 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 and you could say, it's, lo- it's not luck, it's the choices they made. David said, I come in the volume of the book that is written about me. And sometimes we, we get the concept of the book wrong. I'm going to explain what the book really looks like so that we can get it. The book of, of your life, the book of my life, as Three sections. The big book has three sections. Section A, section B, and section C. The book. Section A is from birth to when you come of age, when you have age. So everything that happened to you from birth, the families you were born into, who your father is, who your mother is, we don't get to choose that one. Heaven determines that for you. The kind of siblings you are, how incorrigible they are, or how loving they are, how the pressure you felt at home, how your auntie was a witch or your uncle was a wizard, all that was chosen for you, was chosen for you. And you need all that to fulfill your destiny. You need it. I mean, as was explained, when Tiki was here, that, that you see, the, the truth is that the, you may think that you've had a rough upbringing. You need it to fulfill your destiny. And your friend may seem to have, I mean, everything going smoothly for them. They need it. So at this point, to when you come of age, it's preset. You don't choose that. It happens to you, right? Then chapter C, the third section is a very interesting section. It's a very interesting section. There are only two possible outcomes. Is it that you see, but the summation of the, of the whole section, the summation of the whole section is called the end. The end. That means the show is over. <laughs> the show is over. It could be by death. It could be by rapture. If Jesus tarries, the detail of how that will happen 
It's really out of your control. It's really out of my control. Now, everything in between, in between chapter A and chapter C, which is chapter B, everything in between is your choice. Everything. Everything. Now, you could say, oh, I choose to be a billionaire. Well, go ahead and be one. Just go ahead. And, I mean, and, and that is how we are wired. That is how the world works. It is your choice. The things that happened to you, you were beaten. You came last in class. Okay, fine. But that is the past. And that is why it's called the past. That's why it's called the past. So how do I change my life? How do I change my past? How do I change my circumstance? How do I change my marriage? How do I change my health? How do I change? How you change is this. One major way of changing anything is to change the value you place on it. Change the value you place on it. If you want to grow, develop yourself. And you've had books that are gathering dust in your house. You don't open the books, you don't read the books, you cannot grow. So you begin to grow when you put value on the book. When you see the book as taking you to your next level, then all of a sudden that book changes to, to something valuable. Then you can choose to read the book. How do you change your health? When you value your health, then you will get up and do the exercises. Then you will eat right. If you value your health, you don't need to take A. You keep taking A. And you keep eating it and eating it and eating it. But A is destroying your health. It's because you don't, you don't value your health. That, that's all. You don't value it. But the moment you value your health, the moment you value your life, you begin to make choices. The moment you value your finances, you don't value your finances if you, if you don't place value on the things God has said you should place value on. God places value on hard work. You don't, you don't, you don't value hard work, you don't value your finances. You, you, don't, you can just say, I choose to be a billionaire, but you don't value hard work, you don't value your finances. God says you should pay your tithe. If we open the windows of heaven, you don't pay your tithe, you don't value your finances. You don't value it. So you can't expect to fight away devourers. Devourers is the portion of, of that finance. That's how it is. When you begin to value your marriage, you begin to make choices that protect your marriage and elevate your marriage. When you begin to value your children, it's the same thing. Your businesses is the same thing. Everything you value. Your home is the same thing. So what am I saying? Only the right values will give you the right future. Yes, it is the choices you make, but the choices you make cannot be outside of the values you have, or, or, of your value system. So it is only the right values that will give you the right future. So the choices you make today will determine where you'll be tomorrow. What you value today, I don't need to be a prophet, I can tell you. you know, so people, I, I see their, their lives, I can tell you what is going to happen. They say, oh, pastor, you are very, pro you see to the future, it's, this is not about using your spiritual eyes or being prophetic. If you continue the way you are continuing, I can tell you where you are going to land. Moses, that we 
read about, before he got to a place where God could use him to say to the, a whole nation of Israel, choose today, death or life, success or failure. He himself had to make some hard choices in his life. Moses had to make some choices that qualified him to stand before God's people and challenge them to make choices. So from the life of Moses, we can see immediately that to be a leader, <laughs> you make the difficult choices before everyone else does. That's the truth. Do you want to be a leader? If you want to be a leader, you have to make the tough choices before everybody else does. You have to make the tough choices before everybody does. So we're going to see the choices that Moses had to make. It's life choices that he had to make based on the things he valued. And if we make those choices, we, we end up with the greatness that God has for his people if we make those choices based on the values. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, from verse 23 to 27. Hebrews 11, 23 to 27. It says, by faith, Moses, Moses' parents, hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had come of age, when he had grown up, so when Moses exited chapter A and entered chapter B, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead. There was a looking ahead. Come on, I can't hear you. Say looking ahead. So Moses was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. So we see here, Moses, when he exited chapter A, or section A of his book, and entered section B of his book, he had to make some choices based on some values. Then, when chapter C of his book came, he was buried by God himself. Only God knew where Moses was buried. God took care of chapter C. So, Moses did not control chapter C. Moses did not control chapter A, section A, but Moses controlled everything that happened in between. So, we're going to see the four choices you know, Moses made four major choices that shaped his life and destiny. If you and I can make those four choices, we will shape our lives and destinies in a beautiful way, in a way that God, the God of heaven, wants it to look like. So what are the choices that Moses made? Number one, Moses refused 
to be defined by others. Moses chose that he will not be defined by others. In Hebrews 11.24 that we read, Hebrews 11.24, it says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, when he had come of age, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses chose, Moses refused to be defined by others. For you to become all that God has called you to be, you have to refuse to be defined by others. Refuse to be defined by your colleague, by your cousin. I dare say sometimes by your father, by your mother, by your sisters, by your brother. You have to refuse to be defined by others. And I mean, sometimes that's what you need to do. He says he refused. Verse 24, to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, that was a prestigious position, but he refused. Moses had identity crisis. He was born a Hebrew slave, but he was raised an Egyptian royalty. He had an identity crisis, and many of us have identity crisis. Not only teenagers that have identity crisis, a lot of adults have identity crisis. Who am I? Who am I going to be? Who am I really? What, is, what am I here for? Who am I? At some point, Moses had to decide, I refuse to be an Egyptian royalty. I choose to be a Hebrew slave. Wow. Moses refused to be defined. By faith, Moses when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So the question is, which will you choose? Which will you choose? Egyptian royalty? Hebrew slave? Which are you going to choose? Who are you letting determine your identity? Who are you letting determine your identity? Who is determining who you are? I mean, many times we allow Culture to determine who we are. We allow friends, co-workers to determine who you are. You are fine. You just have had your hair done in a certain way. You come to work. You see your colleague does her hair in a certain way. You went to scatter your own and because you want to do the same style. <laughs> you want to do the same style. You have identity crisis. You take it to the bank. You have identity crisis. Sometimes, is it the TV? Is it, your, is it your boyfriend? Is it your girlfriend that is determining who you are? Is it the TV? Is it social media that is determining who you are? Romans 12.2 says to us very clearly that don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. And that's how we feel sometimes. We feel squeezed. We feel squeezed into certain mold. God says don't allow it. Refuse it. Don't allow the world squeeze you into its mold. But let God remold your minds from within. Let God remold your mind from within so that you may prove in practical terms, in practice, that the plan of God for you is, is good. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 2.4 says to us that our purpose is to please God. Not people. He is the one who examines the motives of the heart. So you have to play to the audience of one. 
you have to live your life to please God. That is your purpose. If you're like, oh, what am I here for? You are here to please God. That's your purpose. That is the big picture of your purpose. Your purpose is to please God. So if I have settled the fact that my purpose is to please God and not people, the God that sees the heart, that settles something for me. That actually tells me that I can be free from pleasing people. Because when I settle who's going to determine my identity, it makes me resistant to the fear of disapproval, which is one of the greatest fears of mankind. Will I be approved? Will they accept me? Will I be loved? Will I be accepted? The biggest fear that man faces today. But when I settle in my heart that my identity is determined by him and he alone, then I can resist every pressure to mold me into how the world wants me to be. Why? Because it is settled in my heart that I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You know the song? <laughs> I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's it. Why? Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says to us very clearly, God is saying, for I know the plans I have for you. God's plans for you are better than your friend's plans for you, says the Lord. They are plans of good. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. So I can settle in my heart once and for all that I will not allow my destiny to be determined by what is popular in culture. That's number one. That's the first choice that Moses made. He refused to be defined by what people call him. He chose to be defined by what God has called him. So what are you answering to? Are you answering to what people are calling you or are you answering to what God is calling you? What is God calling you? God is saying you are loved. Are you answering to that? God is saying you are protected. Are you answering to that? God is saying I have a future and a hope for you. Are you, are you carrying on like that? Or the world is saying you are not good enough. The world is saying you don't measure up. The world is saying, how can you even ever cope? Which are you answering to? Ask your neighbor, which one are you answering to? Okay, so number two, the second choice that Moses made that shaped his life and that we also need to make is, is, is this, it's big, it's huge, and it's, it's that he chose short-term pain for long-term gain. Moses chose short-term pain for long-term gain. And if you look at the life of Moses, you could say that, oh, the pain was not short, but if you compare to the gains that he had, it was really short. But many times, the things we are going through, we think, oh, why is this thing lasting forever? For you to get the future that you want, you have to choose short-term pain so that you can get the long-term gain. 
most of the problems that people face is because they don't delay gratification. So, why don't you have a savings today? Because you're not delaying gratification. You could argue, oh, pastor, um, I don't earn enough. That's a big fat lie. Everybody can save. A lot of the problems that we face is because we give up long-term gains because of short-term pain. Why don't most students pass their exams? Because the pain and the rigors of reading. But if you get a distinction, if you come up with a first class, you have that certificate for your lifetime. So the, the four years of pain, or five years, or three years, depending on the school you are in, in a university, cannot compare to the gains of a lifetime. If you look at um, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11.25, Hebrews 11.25, see, looking at Moses, he says concerning Moses that Moses chose to be mistreated. <laughs> Come on. He knew that what was waiting for him was discrimination, was to be mistreated, but he chose to be mistreated along with God's people. And it's interesting that, you know, many times when we see sin, we are thinking about stealing, we are thinking about adultery, we are thinking about fornication, we are thinking about, you know, lying. You know, Moses didn't do any of those when he was in the palace. He, he, that was not the issue. But the issue is that God still said, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. So every time you miss the mark, that's what it is to sin. Every time you miss the mark of God's best for your life, you are sinning. Even if you are in the palace, you, you may not be committing adultery, you may not be stealing, you may not be lying, you may not be killing anyone. In fact, for Moses to enter into his destiny, he needed to kill someone. He needed to, <laughs> it's unbelievable. He needed to commit murder, what we would call sin. But God did not record it as sin for Moses. God needed him to kill that guy so that he can enter into his destiny. But what God regarded as sin for Moses was staying in the palace and being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and enjoying the good things of life while God's people are in bondage. That is sin. Praise God. So, so Moses... And I'm not saying mother is not sin. Don't go and kill someone. I say, oh, oh, I went to church today. Pastor said, Moses killed somebody. God needed it to enter destiny. Me to enter my destiny. No. No. That's not what I've said. I've just said that God is bigger than us. He does things in ways that we can't comprehend. And the things he was saying concerning Moses that was sin was not was not the, the, the regulars that we would call sin, you know, was, was the fact that it was, not, it was not where God wants him to be. It was not where God wants him to be. So, but we see here that in, in, verse, in verse 23 of Hebrews 11, God chose Moses. When he was born, he was born a special child. The, the parents saw it and God, they put Moses in the river Nile. Can you imagine that in a basket? And the mother must have been crying as, as Moses was floating away in the water. 
But God protected Moses. God chose Moses. You know, when Moses in our chapter 1, chapter A of our lives, God is in control. No witch can touch you. No water can drown you. Moses was guided to the daughter of Pharaoh. So God chose Moses. But by the time we get to 25 that we've just read, Moses had to choose God. You see, in chapter A or section A of our lives, God chooses us. But in section B of our lives, we have to choose God. Moses chose God. If you read it again, and verse 25, and Moses chose God. He chose to be mistreated. So the question is, who are you blaming for your life? Who are you blaming for your unhappiness? Who are you blaming for your lack of success? Who are you blaming for your spiritual condition? Who are you blaming? Are you going to choose? Are you going to take responsibility and choose God today? Or are you going to blame the fact that they put you in a basket and they put you on the river? Are you going to blame the fact that you didn't grow up with your real mother? It was a surrogate mother or whatever, or an adopted mother that raised you. Moses had that. I mean, and Moses still fulfilled his destiny. Praise the name of the Lord. And I pray that you will fulfill your destiny in the name of Jesus. So what am I saying? What I'm saying in, in essence is this, that look, you cannot change what happens to you, but you can change what you do with your life. So summary of what I'm saying, let me just pull it up together. I say that people can hurt you. Yes, they can. People can harm you. Yes, they can. People can scar you. Yes, they can. But no one can ruin you. No one can ruin you. And if you want to clap, you can clap. No one can ruin you except you. Not even Satan. Not even Satan. Satan cannot even ruin you. It is impossible for the devil to destroy you. Totally impossible. The only person that can ruin you is you. Is you. And I pray in the name of Jesus, you will not ruin your own life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Moses, at, in, in section A of his life, he lived off his parents' decisions. But in section B of his life, he needed to make his own decisions. Many of us, we are in section B of our lives, and we are looking for who to make decisions for us. We are looking to our parents to make decisions for us, you know, because we are looking to, our, to our, maybe our pastors to make spiritual decisions for us. We are looking to our ask fellowship leaders to make decisions for us. But the truth is that you can't live off somebody else's spiritual commitment. You cannot. You can't. You can't. So you can, you can walk through any of the doors. It's your choice. But once you walk through the door, you cannot choose and determine the consequences. Many times we... We are shocked, we are perplexed when things happen to us, you know. We don't like pain, and nobody does, nobody likes pain. I hope you don't like pain. But we can, we can use pain to our advantage, because you are going to have pain in this life. You are going to have pain. Now or later, you are going to have pain. You can't. Choose your pain. You can. For instance, when it's time to fast and you choose to fast, you have chosen your pain. So when the things that want to cause you pain comes, you have enough spiritual power to blow it away. Right? But if you don't fast, when you're supposed to fast, when the thing comes, it will cause you pain, then you have to fast. Because whichever way you will fast, 
take it to the bank, you will fast. You will go through pain. You could save and invest your finances and deprive yourself of things so that you can grow your finances and have a financial future. Or you can enjoy today and have pain in the future. It's your, it's your choice. What's it going to be? So the first life-shaping choice that Moses had to make was that, number one, he, come on, number one, he, number two, Moses did what? And number three, Moses chose what God values over what culture values. Moses chose what God values over what culture values. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 26, Hebrews eleven twenty-six, 26, it says that Moses regarded the disgrace, regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead for a reward. Moses valued, he regarded, he chose what God valued over what Egypt valued, over the treasures of Egypt. Now, Moses had the life many of us are praying and fasting for. Moses has the life. If you check a lot of people's prayer list, it's all, the summary is the life of Moses. Live in a palace, have gold and silver, travel to anywhere you want to go, have all your needs, needs met, have abundance of, of, of slaves and servants, drive in the best chariots or cars of our own time, if you want to bring it to our own time. But Moses was driven by his values. Now, I want to challenge you. Can you write down your top three values in life? Pause and think. Don't write. Think. What are your top three values in life? If you are blank, that's a very bad place to be. If you're like, Pastor, I don't even know what my values are. That's, a, that's not a good place to be. Because if you don't know what your values are, the world will mold you into its values. The world will mold you to value. What are your values? What are your values? What are your top three values in life? What are your top three? Take your time. Think about it. What are your top three values in life? Think about it. What are your top three values? What are, what are they? What are your top three values? I'm going to pause. What are your top three values? <laughs> I value simplicity. <laughs> I value uh, commitment. I value risk taking. I value authenticity. I value humor. What are your, those are our values as a church. Well, you can adopt them, but you see, the truth is this. If you don't have your values, if you don't have your own 
that is in line with God's values. Your choices will not be sound. Your choices will not be consistent. Your choices will not lead to that future that you want. But I pray that your values will be reorientated into God's values in the mighty name of Jesus. Your values will be realigned with God's values for you in the name of Jesus. The world has its own values. The world has its values. If you check 24, 25, and 26. 24, it talks about he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused popularity, prestige, and power. That's the pride of life. That's the pride of life. Verse 25, it says, he chose rather not to have the pleasures of sin that has been in the wrong place and the palace, that is the loss of the flesh. And verse 26 says, it preferred the treasures of Christ over the treasures of Egypt. That is the loss of the eyes. So we see the three things in Genesis 3 the, um, um, and, and 1 John um, right here. 1 John 2.15, right here also, that the three things is still the same. The, what does the world value? The world values, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. What did, the, what did Satan say to Eve in the garden? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Moses faced the same thing. So the values of the world really doesn't change. The values of the world really doesn't change. The value of the world is simple, summed up in three. Loss of the eyes, loss of the flesh, pride of life. Everybody, let's say it again. Loss of the flesh, loss of the eyes, pride of life. That is all the world has to offer. But by the time we get to verse 17 of 1 John 2, 1 John 2, 17, the word of God says, in 1 John 2, 17, says, the world and everything, everything in it, Everything in the world that people desire is what? It's passing away. It's passing away. It's passing away. The loss of the flesh will pass away. The loss of the eyes will pass away. The pride of life will pass away. Everything that people desire is going to pass away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. Those who do the will of God will live for. So God is saying that when you do the things that God values, you endure. When you do the things that the world values, you expire. When you do the things that God values, you endure. So, I mean, what does God value? Of course, if we turn it around. So, what does God value? The first thing we see here is that God values his purpose more than popularity. If you, if you read verse 24 that we read in Hebrews 11, it says that by faith, Moses, when he was come of years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And that is huge popularity. So God values his purpose more than popularity. God values his purpose more than popularity. I mean, Look at it. How popular can you get? You enter the town as a young man. Moses, I mean, was a young man. He is, is the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He went to the best university on the land. He was a powerful young man. He was popular. But God values his purposes in Moses' life 
more than the popularity that Egypt offers. I know that this world values popularity, but God values purpose over popularity. Number two, God values people over pleasure. People are more important to God than pleasure. Verse 25 says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So God always valued people over pleasure. So when you need to choose, do I need to take a vacation? Or can I pay someone's school fees if I don't take a vacation? Or maybe I need to go to, I wanted to go to Tokyo. <laughs> okay, a coronavirus area, I don't know. Let's go to, there's <laughs> no corona. I wanted to go to, um, to France, to Paris, with my wife. And instead of that, I can go to Oshogbo and have a country life vacation with my wife and use the difference to pay someone's school fees. I mean, it's big. So, people are more important than pleasure. And the third, the third thing we see that God values is that a place in Christ is more valuable than possessions. A place in Christ, and that would be in verse 26, it says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because it was looking ahead. And many of us, we just need to look ahead. You need to take your eyes off your circumstances, of yourself, and look at Christ. Keep your eyes on Christ. Moses gave up the things people spend their lives trying to get. Why? Because the things people spend their life trying to get is temporal. You can lose them. So Moses gave up the things you can lose for the things you cannot lose. Moses gave up the things that are temporal for the things that are eternal. Moses gave up popularity for purpose. He gave up pleasure for people. Moses gave up possession for a place in Christ. That's the third choice that Moses made. The fourth choice that Moses made was this. He chose to live by faith and not by fear. Many people are living by fear. In Hebrews 11:27, it says, By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him that was invisible. Moses, in his heart, saw him that, if you read that story, he did not say Moses saw an angel. No, that was why he killed the uh, Egyptian. No, he, in his heart, he believed that there was something greater. And he chose to walk by faith and not faith. He, he had everything. Moses had every reason to be scared to death. Why? Because Pharaoh was like a god. Wolfie was regarded as a god in Egypt. He had the power of life and death. So to take a position against Pharaoh 
That was how he ran. He ran. So, so living by faith sometimes means you have to run. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Living by faith sometimes means you have to run. You know, sometimes we think living by faith means you have to stay and fight Pharaoh. No, 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 no. He couldn't at the time. Moses ran and God says that was faith. That was not fair. It was faith that he took a position to align with God's people. Even though it meant he had to run and that was still faith. Jesus had to go to Egypt, had to run from Herod and that was faith. That was faith. That was faith. Why didn't Jesus stay? Because faith sometimes allows you or opens the door for you to reposition yourself so that you can be equipped to take on the pharaohs of this world. Hallelujah. That's what faith does. Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 says to us that no one can please God by simply obeying laws, his laws. Interesting. No one can please God by simply obeying his law. So we put our faith in Jesus Christ and God accepted us. Not God will accept us. Not God is accepting us. God has what? Accepted us in the past. You are accepted already because of our faith. So you can't please God by simply obeying his laws. The word of God says you please God by faith. You please God by putting your faith in Christ Jesus. So, so what am I saying? You need to keep an eye, look up. Living in the light of eternity is the only antidote for all the pressures of life. When you live in the light of eternity, that is the only antidote. You have to stop caring to the point of it defining you what people will say or think. You have to stop caring about the world's values, the world's passion, the world's possessions, the world's positions. You have to stop it. Like Moses, you need to make your life choices. You have to get out of what is known as the rat race. You know, someone will say, oh, pastor, I want to win the rat race. If you win the rat race, you're still a rat. You need to get out of the rat race. You need to put your, 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 your heart, your faith in God. Don't let fear define you. Don't let fear shape your life. Don't let fear, you know, you can, you can, you can run by faith and run by fear. Moses ran by faith. He refused to let fear control him. What are you afraid of today? What are the things that have stood before you. You know, next week, we're going to be looking at choosing the right guide. You know, today we looked at choosing the right values. For you to choose the right future, to walk through the right door, to choose the right future, you need to choose the right values. Number two, next week, we're going to look at choosing the right guide. The right guide. How to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's next week. So today, don't live by fear. Choose to live by faith. 
The life choices that Moses made, make those choices yours. Don't let the world define you. Don't let the world define you. Don't let the short-term pain ruin your long-term gains. Let God and his values be what propels you. And kick fear out of your life. Fear can grip and immobilize a lot of people. Sometimes you want to do something, you want to do stuff, you need to take this step, but you, you can't take this step because you're afraid and you are frozen. You're afraid. What will the society say? What will the family say? But you need to make the choice. You need to, you need to make your choice. So is it going to be out of fear or is it going to be out of faith? What is it going to be today? What is it going to be today, my brother? What is it going to be today, my sister? Are you going to live your life based on fear or are you going to live your life based on faith? What is it going to be? Yeah, what is it going to be? I'm asking you over and over and over again. I'm doing that deliberately. What is it going to be? What is it going to be? Peter, what is it going to be? Elizabeth, what is it going to be? I mean, what is it going to be? Julius, what is it going to be? If I am, what is it going to be? And that's how it's going to be. <laughs> what is it going to be? <laughs> what is it going to be? Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. I and I want you to just take a moment and think and answer that question. And I want you to say to God, even at this time, I say to him, I don't want to drift, God. Father, I don't want to drift. I want to move with direction and purpose. I want to choose, like, like Moses today, my father, I want to commit to the four life-shaping choices. Like Moses, father, I need your help. I want to choose not to let people define me. Talk to God. I want to be in a place where only you defines me. It's important that you are praying even right now. I want it to be only you that will define me. Like Moses, Father, empower me so that I can embrace my short-term pain so that I can enter into my long-term gains. My Father, help me that for the rest of my life I will live by your values and not the world's values. Just your values and not the world's values. And finally, that I will live by faith and not, and not by fear. And if you are here, I mean, you have never given your life to Jesus. Or Jesus is not the Lord of your life. You have, you have, you have, you have never accepted Jesus or surrendered to him. I have heard this. I'm like, Pastor, can I? Yes, you can. Or you're saying, Pastor, I used to be with Jesus, but I'm not with Jesus again. Can I come back? Yes, you can. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, wherever you are seated, we want to pray with you right now, wherever you are seated. Wherever you are seated, if that call is for you, just kindly put up your hand over your head. Put it up to God. You're lifting up your hand to Christ and the ushers will give you a card like you heard. You don't have to come forward. Just put up your hand and take a card and make that decision today. Not to live 
by fear, but to live by faith. Amen.